Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, it's Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. Gary McAllister, in my view, is the epitome of what the English Premier League doesn't have enough of. A guy with fabulous control of the ball who reads the game, sees spaces, but uses his feet to put the ball exactly where it should go, exactly where a teammate needs it. We often say, how much would such and such a player be worth in the modern market? Well, with Gary, I think you name your price, you name your figure. Fantastic, elegant, technical, gifted, visionary footballer. He arrived at our Leeds Hotel um, for this big interview, looking like a million dollars. I can tell you that for sure. And then, metaphorically at least, by the end of the interview, his words were worth that much too. I didn't really expect the Vinnie Jones love-in. They're great words as we go about his traditional playing partners in the Leeds midfield that won the title, Gary Speed, David Batty. But good stories, good explanations about Cantona, his arrival, his impact. And Billy Bremner. If you grew up as a Scot or as a Leeds fan, Billy Bremner was a very important character. And the story about him in his loafers and his sheepskin coat and his beautiful London West End tailored suit playing in the mud of Leeds' training ground, it's a dancer. It's perfect. You've always been able to talk as interestingly and intelligently and elegantly about football as you were able to play it. That's not final because you're going to go on and prove that over the next hour. But I've always thought, or certainly it's intrigued me, I grew up, what I mean, mad about Aberdeen, which I still am, even madder as, as I get older and stupider, because of Eddie Gray, mostly, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, yeah. To a lesser extent, Joe and, and Billy Bremner and Harvey, and, and I, I like Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> At a time... I felt like the only person outside Leeds in those days who liked yeah. Leeds because they... And I don't know if it's because Leeds' triumphs in Don Revy's day were resented. I've always felt your league title, mm-hmm. and let's underline that, you worked in a Leeds team that was champions of England. I've never felt that there's as much affection and reminiscence about a damn good team, certainly a damn good midfield, 
Do you think I'm onto something there that maybe it's I, slightly underappreciated? No, I absolutely agree with you 100%. You know, I don't think Howard Wilkinson has ever got the acclaim that he should. He was the last English manager to win it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the way he put it together, the way he got himself out of the old second division, he got Vinnie Jones in, Chris Kamara, they come in, did a job, but instantly realised how great a job they did to get the club back into the top league for the first time in, I think there was eight or nine years of absence mm-hmm. away, that things needed to change. They needed a different type of player to then carry on a threat into the top division. And that was pretty clear. He made that pretty clear. You know, he says, you're coming here and you'll probably replace Vinny, who's been brilliant to me. And if you can equal what he did, you'll, you'll done a great job. And, and that was a drive. And, and, and the first person that welcomed me here, you know, not a million miles away from where we're sat right now, mm-hmm. was Vinny Jones. Ah. And he knew I was brought in to replace him. But it tells you a little bit something different about the guy. You know, he was, he was a humble fella. And he sent a car to pick me up and he showed me the city in one failed swoop, you know, which ended up maybe in a late bar that evening. But he was, that's the type of guy Vinny was. It was a realisation that his type of player was, was needed to get Leeds out of the old second division. But then there was going to be a wee change on how Leeds were going to approach you know, attacking the old first division. See, intelligent though I branded you, I, I would have thought that for a footballer, footballer, mm-hmm. you need to be told by even a manager irrespective of him, I'd like to equal Vinnie Jones. I know players of your calibre who'd have gone, well, we're off to a bad start, manager. Well, now, I know why you weren't, but some might have just gently gone. But there, you know, the thing is, it's about people and how you influence games. Vinnie Jones in the second division influenced games. Yep. He rallied a great crowd. The crowd here has always been second to none. Yep. The Ellen Road crowd is, is special. But he brought everybody together. Don't forget, Strachan was to the right-hand side of him as well. He was there purely to stoke and get into the, other, the opposition mm-hmm. to make sure that Leeds couldn't be bullied, you know, and, and, and then get the ball to the likes of a young... There was young batties and young speed and, and Strachan who... He made a massive move from Manchester United to drop a division and come and influence. And again, Strack was part of a, an ongoing thing where small Scottish midfielders really affected Leeds United. Bobby Collins in the 50s, 60s, and Billy, of course, Billy Bremner after him, and then Gordon. So it's been amazing how mm-hmm. three sort of five foot four, five foot five ginger-haired midfielders have affected this club. Would you have been affected by the fact that Gordon was already there? How well did you know Gordon? Uh, clearly, I suppose, Leeds coming up, Howard, a man of integrity and, and a guy with a reputation, that might have tempted you anyway mm. before anybody ever talked about salaries or anything like that. But would playing next to Gordon have been something that went as a balance in your mind or was it a completely new experience? No, Gordon was massively influential in my decision-making to come to Leeds United. I'd... Bearing in mind, the night before I signed for Leeds United, I was in a hotel bar nearly signing for Brian Clough in Nottingham Forest. So my mind was made up to go if I wanted to play for Brian Clough. But, mm. but Brian was at that stage in his life where things were just starting to drop away and I'd missed the great Brian Clough, unfortunately. And things deteriorated in that meeting. You could judge that. I could judge that. I could feel that. My agent could feel it. And we looked at the room. There was Alan Hill and Ron Fenton and they could feel it as well. Hindsight, you know, and time to reflect yeah. now, I look back and I'd, I'd love to have played for Brian Clough and his pomp. You know, what he's achieved at Forest was unbelievable. But that didn't happen, so Leeds came in and Strachan was a big part of my decision. I'd obviously played against them the previous season with Leicester City in the old second division. I had a good record against Leeds, and I thought obviously that's where 
I've caught Howard's eye, and there was, there was a, one of Joe Wallace's staff at Leicester City, Ian McFarlane, had moved to Leeds United under Howard, and he was obviously, he was a Belsall boy and a Lanarkshire boy, and he was pushing my name into Howard Wilkinson. So there was a few wee things that were saying this, this could be the right. And as soon as I met Howard and met the chief executive, I could feel there was momentum here in Leeds. They'd come up out of the second division, as I said, nine years of absence, one club city. I just felt right, you know, and, and, and I signed. I think I may be older than you, but, but the long and short is we might have similar memories of a powerful Leeds. Mm-hmm. When, when you were young, was it Billy, was it Eddie? Well, you, or, you, you, what? you say you've got this sort of fondness for, for Leeds United. Particularly Eddie. You know, the, the thing is, the, the, the big Scottish connection, you know, the, you know, Lorimer, Jordan, McQueen, you know, Arthur Graham, you know, there's, there's so many. You know, the thing is, the inspiration that I took for that was whenever I played, I always felt they were watching and I was representing them. You know, it was a, so the Scottish thing came yeah. out. Yeah. And to try and emulate what they did as you said they were a team that was they were playing at a different level than most at that particular time and they were fantastic and, yeah. and, and should have done better you know they should have won more they probably didn't get the record you know, they were sort of robbed in a European final they well, were made to play four or five games in seven days I think at the end of one season which and, lost and the referee the has proved to have been bent and against been, Bayern Munich so, it's now convicted so as much as they were successful, they were better than what they actually achieved. And, and you yeah. speak to all of them, they all agree. You know, Giles Bremner, oh. Lorimer, Gray, as you say, Frank Gray, Hunter. It's, they could play and mix it. Yeah, it's they just were, that they maybe sometimes mixed it too much and Chelsea took it to them. And there was a series of Chelsea Leeds games, but those two games, those cup finals, yeah. they weren't football well, as we know you, it. You, uh, yeah, I know, but as much as you look at the skill involved and their ability to keep possession of the football which is a big thing in modern yeah. day football they were brilliant yeah. on pitches there wasn't a blade of grass no they were a special team you know and, and once you got to know all of them mm-hmm. what Don Revy created was unbelievable they were, to this day you know and there's obviously we've lost a few of them but they're so tight mm-hmm. you know the Alan Clarks the, you know, whenever you see them when you go to a game at Allen, they are so close knit you can really understand why they were successful, and that was what we tried to get with, with Gordon and Howard. There was a couple of, because it was Mick Jones up front, off quite often with Alan. Yeah, Alan Clark, yeah. And, and Rini and Maidley, and I often felt that. One Terry or two Cooper them, left back, you know. And they, some of them could actually play even more than they've been credited for, because I think we all knew, no matter what Leeds' reputation then was, that Lorimer had it. Lorimer maybe had something that you equalled and, and surpassed yeah, it. Yeah. He was a lovely pass and Billy was a fantastic captain. Eddie, Eddie was divine. For me, I fell in love with so people you, who could... It's amazing, you mentioned four or five, but then you speak to that four or five uh-huh. and there was one gaffer to a man, the lost. Giles was the... Johnny. He was, uh-huh. the, he was the main man. Yeah. You know, you've you seen the clenched fists of Billy and, you know, and him, the tigerish, the red hair, and everybody assumed that he was the natural leader. He was the scorer of a very, very important goals. You know, great goals at Hamden against Celtic. You know, he came up with the big goals in the cup finals. But it was Giles. It was the he was the main man. And you're talking about his brain as much as the fact that he was quite yeah. a hard fella. He was a I was a great massive, massive fan of Giles. Oh yeah, yeah, I love John Giles. Yeah. So the challenge is to go there, and, and I don't want to lose the because you made my eyebrow raise there because there's no way that Vinny's the pantomime villain that he portrays himself mm. to be. But you must have played equally against. Yeah. Vinny, one or two interesting battles for Leicester Leeds and Div 2 and then you get him sort of not just saying tacitly 
let's go out for a drink and I'm going to work in my club but I know you're here to take my place more or less that must have been a wee bit of a surprise the second last game of the season when Leeds came up was against Leicester City and that was who I was playing for you know and that, I had no indication that Leeds were going to come in for me at so all. I had no idea so I scored at Ellen Road to nearly put a spanner on the works you know because Leeds needed to win their last two games just, just almost to stop them going up and buying you but the as you can imagine as the two teams are coming through the tunnel to start that game the squad for Italian 90 had been named and I was a second division player going to Italy with Scotland and there was a few verbals from Vinny Vinny was, <laughs> Vinny was going to try and make sure that I wasn't going to go to you, Italy you forget Italy but you know that's, you use that as inspiration I, you know that's the thing that was what he was in the team for that was it he was, he was there to spoil and waste and he, he played it cleverly Vinny and he, he, he's, he was better than most thought you know you were never a, a huge muscular figure you were a clever footballer but what did that do to you when players wanted to put you off or maybe gave you one or two when the referees would give them three or four before the yellow card came out? How did you handle that over the PC of your career? I, you know, the, the, one of the things when obviously when somebody was maybe given a job to mark or just take you at the game, it goes right back to, you know, just your upbringing. You know, I signed with Motherwell, David Hay, but then it was Jock Wallace. Jock Wallace was the guy that sort of, you know, says, you listen... You need to know how to protect and how to you know protect yourself on a, on a part. And, and if that's bringing people in closer to you and moving it quicker, mm-hmm. but just having that awareness, you know, you're not going to go and crash into big 50-50 challenges. You need to be wiser than that. So it's just that awareness to play in one and two touch when it was in tight little is, and then maybe taking touches to to pull the guy that was trying to take you out of the game. Just bring him closer, then eliminate him. You know, bypassing the football, not getting involved in any. Other stuff. I don't know. It's like fishing, or it's like using wit, and it's having spatial awareness and all that. But equally, you'll, you'll be caught every now and again. We sat in this series and talked to Charlie Nick, who played in a different mm-hmm. position for yeah. you. But I didn't know that Charlie. He reckons he was the first to tape shin guards on the back of his calf yeah. and all that, just to protect himself. And he was, he was so forgiving about the people who kicked him. I couldn't believe it. I suppose it's a bit of a compliment when somebody's actually. Targeting you as the as somebody that's going to you know heap a bad result on you on on you. So I always seen it as if somebody's going to try and come and man mark you or just try to put studs in the back here. It was a, it's a it's a hidden compliment. And when you're starting to train, at what point do you hear that the tumblers clicking that this midfield of Speed and Batty and Strachan mm. and yourself was suddenly going to be not only good but something special is it is yeah. it is it in the chats is it on the training ground is it in crucial match moments when do you well, begin to well know? the thing was the first and foremost was the was the first pre-season and I arrived and, and uh, the first thing that really hit me was that how far I was actually behind in fitness of a, a little 35 year old ginger fella <laughs> it, it, it quite simply blew, blew me away really and I remember Howard Wilkinson saying, you actually, I think you've got the confidence to realise, I think you fancy yourself as a player. You'd back yourself against most. I said, of course I would. Do you imagine where your game could go if you had the fitness of Gordon? Arriving at Leeds at 25, you know, it was just another little penny that just dropped in. I thought I was a good player and I thought I could go and play for Scotland, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the World Cups and stuff. But when he just sort of said, when I seen what Strachan was doing fitness-wise... And the way he wore down opponents by not only his skill, but the constant, you know, just keep going at people, running them back the pitch, and eventually getting in their head and beating them physically. As an older fella, as an older guy coming to the end of his career, 
I think the three of us, you know, the two other boys were younger than me, but it's no coincidence that Batty played on in his 30s and Gary Speed played away up in his 30s and I played, you know, because we took on board what Gordon was doing. No shadow of a doubt about that. He was a massive influence on the three of us. But then there was an understanding which, which was special. He had a, a young Gary Speed on the left who... We but let Eric Black in the air. You know, Scottish guys will know that Eric Black had this ability to hang. Speed could do it, come, up at, come in at the back post. Batty was just a, a very underestimated footballer, but, but was capped many times with England. Fantastic player. Great insurance policy for the three of us. So as much as it might have been a 4-4-2, which is maybe straight lines... Mm-hmm. You can understand that Strachan didn't stand out in the wing. He came in as a sort of semi-old-fashioned inside right. Speed to, maybe, to maybe let Sterling so, go and, around him. Yeah, and, and, and Batty would be the deeper one. So mm. all of a sudden, in some games, I would come deeper with, with Batty. So there's a 4-2-3-1 development. And all of a sudden, I get bamboozled with all this tactical stuff now of 43s and 4-5-1. By moving three and four feet and three and four yards, 4-4-2 jumps into them yeah. in an instant. You know, And the good teams... Adapting it well, and we did that subconsciously. Well, what would you make that decision on then, based on let's say that nominally Gary might be out, maybe might begin out left, and Gordon might begin out right, and they would do what they would do, and I'm sure they would buy it predominantly positionally moved the least of the four of you yeah. well, I suppose he boxed to box every now and again. Yeah. However, when you chose where to go and what to do, depending on a game, uh, the turf, an opponent. Uh, mm. How did you factor that in? And did you do it instinctively? Did you know about opponents in, in advance? Or, you know, a week ahead? Or, I'll tell you what, this is, I remember him from last time, or that's what they don't like. Or uh, What would you do? Well, I think that, I think that another big thing, that I know it's in, in today's players, I think, you know, I, I never want to be that player harping back to the day when I played in players, but, but decision-making was on the pitch, you know, so if it, so say you're going into a game against the Arsenal and which is going to be really tight and you're fighting your corner for every little inch. But then you might come into a stronger period in the game and you're dominating and that just allows, you know, so there's a sixth sense between the four yeah. and the, maybe the, the Rod Wallace who was playing off Lee Chapman just to come into a link and then all of a sudden there's a natural rhythm and a flow. You're in Spain, you see it, you've seen it with the greatest, you know, the movement and the way they, once they've sensed a dominance, there's a natural little flow and movement and, and and you don't have to think about it. Players of the same ilk just go into little slots. You and, see, and I, agree becomes... with, I agree with you, but I, I'm obviously not a world-class footballer who's won the title and who's had experience. And therefore, I learn slowly as I watch. Mm. I'm watching, I'm asking them, I'm talking to them. I'm trying to learn. But what confuses me a little bit is that they do exactly what you said, that they interpret, they intuit, that there's not a lot of communication, and the movement will be intelligent, but it's all based around ruthless systems at Barcelona, mm-hmm. not the other clubs. Mm-hmm. Ruthless systems, mm-hmm. whereby they've done it so often since the majority of them were Come 10, through, yeah. that it's like a Swiss watch. And then what you do is, if all of that is functioning mm-hmm. perfectly, and you throw in Pep Guardiola, and they're super fit, and you've got the element of that mm-hmm. intuitive, creative, I'll do this now because... I just know it's right. Then that becomes mm-hmm. extraordinary. To me, what you've just been talking about, there's probably a greater value because that midfield has been put together by buying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if David came through all the way through the club. Both, both Barry and Speed came through, the, came through the, the academy. The question then is, was the academy training them in a way all the way through that it was meant to 
provide well, them with the, certain... You know, they, they were both apprentices, and David Batty tells a wonderful story. David Batty, they love and adored. They were young kids under Billy. Billy Brenner was the manager when they were apprentices, so they hung on to every word, and obviously Billy still joined in. The little disguise and they're and, and the looking away and, and looking one way and passing it the other, which was one of Billy's favourite little movements. Batty and Speed did it, you know, and, and they seen the the demands that Bremner put on himself to go and hunt and take the ball under under pressure, you know, and, and to make passes and get the dominance. So they, they were brought up very much with that great Leeds team. That was their upbringing. And, and Batty tells a story. They were training one day in the, in the training ground at Ellen Road, just above the, the car park. It was five, six inches of mud, horrible winter's day. And Billy had been away trying to sign somebody, so he'd arrived... He arrived at the training just at the end of the session when they'd gone into a little later side. And Billy arrives with the manager's uniform. He's got a grey mohair suit, a sheepskin coat and a pair of loafers. And Billy simply takes off the sheepskin and joins in. No. And he's hitting little reverse passes and playing one-twos in six inches of mud <laughs> with a pair of loafers on. <laughs> and his moccasins and his beautiful suit. Fantastic. Is, is that the love of a footballer? What? There's nothing... Just give me the pill. That was, that was like, give me the pill. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He's an awful sad loss, and uh, he's iconic too. You mentioned that thing about Bobby Collins and Gordon and Billy and Fire. We, we seem to have lost that a little bit. I'm trying to think if we have a footballer of that ilk now or recently. 
and if that's a society change or not. But what I remember is him for Scotland with in that era when they were beating Czechoslovakia at the beginning yeah. to qualify for tournaments, and it just felt. I mean, as a youngster, then it. I can <clears throat> understand how David and Guy might have been inspired by him yeah. because. To me, they, they were a blend of warriors. Also, they seemed to be able to play football better than anybody else. Nah, they were, they were special. You know, I think the first, you know, the, my memories of them are obviously those games against Chelsea in the finals and stuff. But also, in a Scotland shirt, I suppose it would be '74. You know, and you know the games against Zaire and stuff. You know, so it was. Oh, yeah. Where Peter Lorimer scores one of his. Classicals, and, and my dad keeps cropping up in these, which I suppose your dad will. But dad said to me before the tournament, because the, the, I think there was maybe maybe only one Aberdonian in the squad, and it's Dennis. Mm-hmm. Dad said to me, oh, Listen, son, you, you've just caught him too late. He's, he's just not quite what he was. He said, You want to see what he was? And I was like, No, dad is Dennis. I, I don't know what I was, nine or something. Mm-hmm. Of course, I knew better. Because Dennis was just that inch yeah. or two, it wasn't quite there, and he got a bit of game time, and we kind of went. We froze. We froze against Zaire, and then Billy misses that one. That must have lived with him forever and ever against Brazil, where you don't know how it's gone by. And then we just don't quite turn up for eighty minutes against Yugoslavia, and then hey oh, and then it's we're a, out again. And it's a normal, Joe gets his it's goal a and, normal little scenario. But, it's, but we never lost a game. I know, but we're good at that. We seem to be. And then um, when it's blending, at what stage do you think um, fourth? Fourth in the first season? Fourth in the first season. Bloody hell. You know, you look at the examples today, you know, if teams come up, you know, there's so much money at stake now to be Before fair. the bottom will do. So that, the, the target is literally just survival. I think we were up in second and third quite a bit, you know, and, but fourth was a great achievement. But it also gave everybody in that dressing room thinking, and Howard was saying, next time round, We've got a chance. Mm-hmm. We can influence the top, and there was a there was a definite belief in the changing room. But more importantly, in the city, the city, the fans had seen enough, and they they are they play a big part. They play a big part at Ellen. Ellen Road's one of those grounds, like Anfield, like Old Trafford, like Celtic Park, like Ibrox. Those stadiums where the crowd can make a make a difference in that second season. We can say hostile, can't we? Without oh, saying it's. Dangerous, there's, there's, but that, there's that nastiness there. Yeah, you know they, they don't make the opposition feel welcome, and you know that was something. As soon as I started wearing the white shirt of Leeds United, you know the, there was teams that quite simply couldn't deal with it. They collapsed really early in games, and we had, can remember loads of times thinking, 20 minutes gone, two 0 it's done. They've gone. Yeah, quite happy. The opposition were happy to get out of there that, with two 0 That must. Be it's a nice feeling, so you know. So good. Yeah, because you know you've got when you've got people you can enjoy the rest yeah. of the game and show and, the fans. And, and then you're talking about and the momentum grows. All the interlinking and Strachan's getting on the ball and speed and it was a good side, a real, real good side. I understand that, but I think that if you, you know, look, it seems to me that the real quality was in was in midfield. Chapman was maybe underestimated a little yeah. bit. I'm going to ask goal scoring wise, you look at Chap. Chappie's record stands up against nearly most. Right up there with the very top. It seemed as played. if people didn't like the cut of his jib, or maybe they thought he was a tiny little bit limited, but he got in the right place, physically good, good in the air. He was so hungry just to score goals. And, and when you say limited, yeah, he would hold his hand up. He wasn't a top footballer. You know, in the five or size and the little keep ball sessions, he was limited. But come the day in the game, mm-hmm. you know, that the this, this art of, you know, I've seen so many people trying to coach in strikers and watch the movements of strikers. 
They just know where to go. It's in there. And again, I don't know if it is. Co- they can be coached to get into certain areas and get their goals, but those nil-nil tight games, where to go when it's ricocheting off something that lands at them and they poke it in? Well, where to go when they've got service from you and Gordon and maybe Gary as well? That, that, that was the thing. I suppose with the with the fullbacks, did, and, uh, I don't remember. Did I would ask them to go? Oh, they were they were very much. They got really I, high. I remember Merlston certainly getting up and down. I mean, well, the flying pig. He, I didn't know that. That's I'm going to throw a name in here, but he had that ability to be running away from the goal, you know, on the right wing, yeah. maybe facing the side of the pitch, and he could wrap his foot round. Okay. I'm thinking Manny Kaltz, you know, was the German. God, aye. Manny yeah. Kaltz was, and, and, and I used to, you know, I've said that to Didi Haman, and he was, they called him banana feet. Manny Kaltz, if I remember correctly, played at Pataudry, and was a massive threat, and they scared the the shit out of you because they were big and remorseless and they ran all day but then when you when they got the ball they were also they could play. he was, played with socks at his ankles as well if you can remember he I used to could whip it he could, you know, he could be facing there and wrap his foot round it so Mel was like that and obviously Mel and Chappie played together at Sheffield Wednesday mm-hmm. so when, whenever whenever Mel got wide there was none of this looking to maybe try and play balls into feet. It went in the box. It went mm. in that area, mm. you know, between the back four and the keeper. Because I don't remember, what did he change in the summer between fourth and then winning the championship? Did he add little bits or promote kids? or No, there was nothing. Not, no major no changes? Major, no major changes, no. Well, you talked about the town believing, and that was one of the... You probably met half the people who ever watched you, but mm-hmm. Matthew Lister. Mm-hmm. Graham, just tell Gary Mack, thank you. I was 17 in 1992. I might live to be 100, but I doubt I'll be privileged enough to see a side of that quality wearing our shirt again. Strach, Bats, Gary Mack and Speedo. That's what you call a midfield from Matt. And I think that maybe is emblematic of what you yeah. said, that, that they all they knew in the moment. And at what stage in the season can you remember when you went, nah, this isn't just what the manager said and what we believe this is happening. Well, I tell you, there's, a, there's one defining moment and I can remember it, I can, I can picture myself, there's a tough end of town up to the north of Leeds, a place called Seacroft, Gibton, and I'd been asked to go and judge a karaoke, and there was a big, big, massive, massive, massive Leeds stronghold, this, you know, yeah. it's, it's where all the proper Leeds fans are from, the massive Leeds support in this area, and that particular night, Manchester United, who had been, I think Man United might have been 10 points ahead of us at, at Easter. So we're after Easter and Man United is just starting to falter a wee bit. And the, but there was one, it was at Upton Park and West Ham had turned Manchester United over. And that, from that moment, you can remember the result coming through into this social club and the place going boom. And I'm thinking, wow. And I can remember seeing the goal. I think it was West Ham's goal was like a block tackle. I think Tim Breaker challenged oh, yeah. somebody and it just flew right in the top corner. And you thought? And Jim Beglin, I was with Jim Beglin. And we, I think we looked at each other and thought, Something's going on here. A, we might have a wee chance here. What a feeling. Tell me a little bit about what was Cantona like? Is his arrival or. Well, his arrival, he's, he's a. Is it overplayed a little bit? No, but yeah, it overplayed a little bit, but huh. I, I wouldn't say his arrival was overplayed. His arrival was sensational. You know, I don't know if you know whether, how the, the sequence of events went. He'd arrived into the country. Platini obviously wanted him to get games. He'd fallen out with people in France. Everybody. So he needed to get to England. Gerard Hooley phoned Trevor Francis. So he goes into Sheffield Wednesday. Mm-hmm. 
but there's a big downfall of snow because of the weather permitting they can only train indoor the two days that Eric is at Sheffield Wednesday is on an astroturf pitch under, under the roof mm-hmm. so Trevor says well I can't make a judgement you know until you know, I see you on grass I don't know if those words went down too well with Eric <laughs> so he jumps he jumps in a car and makes a few phone calls and I think the message gets to Howard so he comes and trains at, at Ellen Road so we go through the normal little training session and then we go to a wee bit of finishing and within 10 seconds he scores a, an overhead kick a hitch kick you know bicycle kick whatever you want to call it and everybody just looks at each other and looks at Howard and go <laughs> sign on yes please sign on <laughs> you know when you it was like that seriously but I, I know a lot of people will, will look at that title winning season and say that Eric was integral but he wasn't he played I don't know you need to look at the stats I don't even know if he played a dozen games no, I was going to say you know, 10 but what he did was as teams were aware that we were really challenging we were coming to Ellen Road and literally parking the bus in a new modern term and Eric he did change games you know we were struggling to break teams down he would come against Chelsea scored a wonderful goal flipping over over the big fella Elliot a couple of goals against Luton you know there was two or three games at Ellen Road where we were struggling to break the opposition down and he came on so he he, he certainly played a part certainly played a part but but nowhere near it's kind of mythical it's it's more about what he went on to do and people referred back and said he was, he was the man I kind of reinvent a little bit backwards yeah. we spent some time with Chrissy Ward on this series and, and, and Chris really quite liked Eric mm-hmm. and also said that he was he bore no resemblance to what you could think of him if you only saw if you only read about cursing at referees and then throwing a book at a panel of people finding him and falling out with whoever it was mm. and, and jumping off into the Crystal Palace fan who have you had it coming he thought he was a terrific pro and a good lad and fun to train with. What was it with the football, just talking about the football with you and him and Gordon and him, was it easy to understand? Was it just like there was something quite natural because oh, yeah. you've all got a, a nice domination of the ball? It was one of those occasions where the football language is totally international. There was no need to communicate. Or, you know, It was just that he, he knew and he could see you know, and he fell into little areas. There was, he was a, he's a quality footballer and he, he's proved that. Hmm. Moving on after we'd won the league, it was really bizarre the way things just deteriorated with him and the manager. And I was quite pally with it, and he sort of was looking to me, and obviously I was a captain after that season, so I'm Howard's captain, and, and, and I was caught in between a little bit, to be perfectly honest. At the time of his departure, I, I don't know if there was any other options left to Howard. <laughs> it had become untenable, it was, it was really destructive. In the training, a bit sulky. Sulky, yeah, which makes it really awkward. And it was yeah. that awkwardness. I suppose the only thing was, you know, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing you don't sell on to Man United. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think that you know. I think I think that originally it was Howard went inquiring for Dennis Irwin to try yeah. and bring Dennis back to Leeds. He started at Leeds. Yeah. And Fergie went, no, no, no. I don't think he's for sale. But we'll take Cantona. And then it was like he'd gone. You know, and the weirdest thing is because living abroad now, I, I, I begin to miss out on some of this tapestry of our football, mm. which I think is always almost as interesting behind the scenes. Not the rows, but the personalities, the decisions, the trends. And it was only recently I found out, and I don't know if it was common knowledge, that Fergie had decided that that creative 
move the ball at linchpin mm-hmm. number 10 player Focal that he was, point, was Peter yeah. Beardsley. Yeah. And, the, and, and then, just, he just fell upon And then and he, he was about to start doing the thing for Pierre, and then yeah. literally, as you say, he's like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Couldn't believe his luck. Like there was obviously wee things when Eric went to, you know, it was the time of all the youngsters coming on the scene at Manchester United and how impressed they were of, of Eric staying behind at training. So it was similar, you know, like batting speed were the same, you know, were they? and Strachan would come and, and Eric would always come and join at that, you know, just behind, you know, bending free kicks and having cracks at the goal. And obviously, the young players at Manchester United bought into that as well and, and seen the practice and practice and practice the muscle memory the muscle memory you know and, and all of a sudden Beckham and Scholes can they can put a ball on a sixpence can't they just by repeating and repeating oh, muscle memory wasn't something that you knew about then it was it's a brilliant term but mm-hmm. that must be going back to what we spoke about the fitness that you, you yeah. must have known that by now rather oh, than well, by you know what I did know because I was a, I'm a goal, I was a low handicap golfer and hitting pounding balls and hitting balls and you create pressure when you're playing in the, your monthly medal but it's so but when you trust in your swing and you've hit balls and hit balls and hit balls when you've got up the last two or three holes it's the same as when you're, you're in the last minute of a game to hey, hit a penalty you're drawing me in here to where I didn't want to go because in the last few episodes we've talked a lot about penalties mm-hmm. and I don't mean Wembley we talked um, well I'll tell you about Michael Carrick my phone was nearly just went off there Uh-oh. and there's a chap that still to this day calls me staking his claim that he made the ball move <laughs> and if you want to look at there if people ask me what's the best what's the best contact you've got on your phone I've got Yuri Geller who's still sending no, it's me not Yuri I don't believe when, when you this, when this pops up and on the radio he'll have his people and he'll be back on God bless him he'll be on saying I made Gary talk about that yeah, he's, and, yeah. And, and listen folks to all you subscribers to the beginning of you there is a weirdly shaped fork on the table here that when we began chatting was straight <laughs> it's funny like, are you, you beautifully I don't know if that's a tactic but you battered me off course on the penalty muscle mm-hmm. memory thing because when I moved down to London at Daily Mail I had to cover England for my sins mm-hmm. which was great it was absolutely fabulous and Yuri was about, and Yuri, either by invitation of Glenn, who had no other strange tip, oh yeah, and Drury, Yuri was planting crystals in four corners of the 1998 stadia to make sure that England couldn't lose. And when they beat Morocco or Tunisia, Tunisia in the first game in Marseille, where Glenn puts David Beckham on the bench, Yuri claimed the credit, saying oh. they, they couldn't score because I had to... I didn't know he did a saying at Euro '96. Oh yeah, he's he. Yuri, I'm not impressed. He made the he made the ball move. There's there's a point when you when you're a penalty taker. There's yeah. a point of no return when you're a penalty taker. Yeah. When you plant your standing foot. For me, I, I, I still as I'm going down to hit the ball, I'll still have a little look under here to see if the keeper's moving his feet and trying to go really early and try to read it. But then when you're upon the ball, you you, yeah. you know. So when I see the ball moving, mm-hmm. half a ball, mm-hmm. you can imagine there's a million things in a millisecond. I'm thinking, if I stop, I'll fall over the ball. I'm at Wembley. I'm playing. I'm captain. <laughs> Please my country. God, that's not so that's <laughs> right. So so there's that. I, I think. Well, I try and just run over it. If I glance at, I've took it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking this. This is all going through me. So the decision is just to blast it. Seaman makes a save. It's on target. Seaman has to make a save. And they've got Gaza scores the wonder goal. But when you talk about, um, yeah, thanks, Gaz. That's probably Yuri as well. Um, when you talk about muscle memory and penalties, 
I don't want to hammer a theme, but I'm also, I'm into it now because Michael Carrick was talking about Moscow and the tension and what was going on in his head and how he decided to run up to it and, mm-hmm. and get there quickly and what he decided to do and what he felt like when it went in and on and on and on. And then Dr. Geiska Mendieta, who, who until he came to England and even then he only missed like one, just didn't miss mm-hmm. and scored and scored and scored. He did a Dennis Irwin, but he did a Dennis Irwin at the Bernabeu and he yeah. did it for Spain and whatever. And I've always disagreed with people who say, particularly coaches, who say, well, it doesn't matter how much you practice. Oh. The tension is there. Okay, the tension and the crowd changes things. Mm-hmm. But it does matter how much you practice. Absolutely. Because if you're worried about your technique and then there's the pressure on top of yeah. it, there's a bigger chance you're going to miss. I, 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 I totally agree. And, I, and I, that goes with free kicks. It goes with, you know, I would put in the same bracket and come the last minute and the ball breaks nicely to you in your centre, you see the centre forward at the corner of your eye, if you've hit two or three hundred balls across a training field, yeah. diagonals, that last minute and it comes and it lands and you just drop it there, that's because you've practised. You know, that's just no natural. That's something that you've actually put yourself in. And because you know the pressure's on, but you know you can hit it, so mm. you're confident you can just go boom. I think it's one less thing you're thinking about too. Mm. Particularly in that it's distribution a, a you're talking about where there's somebody you're aiming at rather than aiming at a net. Mm-hmm. You can think or you can start to think about where's the wind, what's the drift? Does this keeper like to come for it? Is is Lee somebody who goes front post or back post? Even whatever there's loads of your mind. Loads of stuff you're not thinking about your I, foot you know, in the bottom. This is something again that I just that, that me in over you know the years of playing football and, and playing golf. You know, hitting a one iron into the wind is a different trajectory. You know, if you're playing into the wind in a football patch, you're going to have to hit it differently. If you set it up, it'll just balloon. So there's that sort of punch drive, mm-hmm. which you would treat you as like an old Scottish shot on a links course. On a links course, yeah, yeah. So it's, there's so many little things that go through your mind. And again, you're going to little bits of visualisation of seeing it, seeing the pass and seeing how, it, how you want to hit it. There's loads of things coming to your mind. My, my penalty kick taking technique was. I copied Glenn Hoddle. I sort of bent my run up, so I would go away and, and arrive at the ball at an angle, and I favoured high up into the keeper's left. That would be my stop penalty. So I don't. Right my up. to your right to the keeper's yeah, left. Keeper's left. But then if the keeper went early, I would just simply wrap my foot round it and go low into the other corner. Did you ever loft it? Did you ever panenka it? Never did that. Never. That takes a bit. I remember that when, when I was growing up watching all this, after Panenka did it, which we, the whole world went mad, particularly because they beat mm. Germany, which I was just in cartwheels on. It was years and years and years till people started trying it. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could <laughs> ever do it. Just the consequences to your teammates if you, yeah. if you miss. It seems worse if you miss that one, does it? Oh, absolutely. The thing that, I don't know if it appeals to you or not, but it still interests me, and I was, when we were preparing, just, I don't know if it seems like we did prepare or not, but we were... <laughs> They call it the Battle of Britain, and you've already talked about Billy doing that for Leeds against Celtic at Hamden in spring 1970, I suppose. I don't know if there were other battles of Britain afterwards. Possibly there were, but not as big. No, that one is a standout one, isn't it? That's the the last big one, isn't it? It is, and I think in between, I don't think there was anything as big as what we're about to talk about, which before the draw was made and the, the ball came out of the hat and it was Leeds Rangers... There was a good deal of mucking about went on. Did you have to go to... With Stuttgart, yeah. Stuttgart, obviously, we lost quite heavily in Germany in the first game, 3-1. We come back to Ellen Road and they score first to go 4-1. And then we go... I think we win 5-2, so they're through on the way goals. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, was it Lamb? 
manager of Plan at Stuttgart. At that time, you were only allowed two foreign players on the pitch at any given time, and they put a third one on, Godinho. Which then they should have been thrown at the competition That's because of the German clout and and UEFA. Yeah. They got another game. The games played in Camp Nou. Yeah, yeah. When nobody there. Had you been there before? Never. That was my first. Uh, As fan visitor, footballer. I'd actually been on the outside of it. I never took the trip inside. So I'd been in Barcelona, the city. Obviously, took the, the pilgrimage to Camp Nou, and, and but never went inside. But then to go inside it, you know, and it's I always sort of asked myself, you know, if I ever had the opportunity. Yeah. Of maybe at any given time, that if I'd been given the chance to play at Madrid or Barca, oh, yeah. uh, Barcelona is there's something about the place, something about the kit, something about it's magical. Do you think that's because we're Scots and Catalans or, or not? Maybe, maybe that. I, that I don't know. As that, that being some together. sort of us against the world type Aye. thing. Whereas Madrid, are, we are the world. Yeah. <laughs> we have that sort of northern. Supremacy. Yeah, I, th- I think it's in there. I think at least it's in there. For me, it was always Cruyff. And then, years and years and, and years and before anything else happened. And, and then Cruyff. I just couldn't believe him. But you, so you, you've seen it, but now you're playing in it, but it's empty. I suppose that must was, have been not as good, but also weird. They were kind of just bizarre. It was surreal. Yeah. You know, because you're, you know that. I was, I've been in New York recently and you do that to get to the top of the skyscrapers. <laughs> but you know that? You've got to get like the neck that. back to get to the yeah. top of it. And it. I think there was about 20 fans managed to get in somehow and they were up at the, right up in the gods. And we turned them over. Strike scored a great goal and then Carol shot. Unsung hero. That's yeah, I, I remember the name, but I know nothing else about him. You don't really want to know much about him. Thank you very much. We'll move swiftly. You know, he, was, he, okay. was, he was a good boy. Well, Carl, you, you did a thing. And if it was at night time, because I've been there so late, some nights when it's empty, and the stadium is infested by bats. It is spooky. Oh, and there are bats everywhere now you're concentrating on playing and shouting so you probably didn't hear them I will guarantee you there's the biggest bat audience you'll ever have in your life Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.